Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Edward, our lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we are going to do a preview of the United States versus Costa Rica in the CONCACAF W Championship semi Final, but first, thanks everybody for joining us. Quick reminder: we're nominated for the best female hosted podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards, and uh, we appreciate whenever you all send us some support, join us on the live, like all our stuff, and engage on social media. So, if you've enjoyed our show enough, uh, please nominate us to advance to the final round. To nominate Attacking Third, you can go to podcastawards.com/slash/app/slash/sign up. Toggle down to female hosted podcast category and go ahead and vote for us. It doesn't take long. Takes about 60 seconds. We've added a link in the episode description. And if you're joining us live on YouTube, you can find the QR code or use that to go ahead and vote for us as well. But we want to let you all know that apparently we've also been nominated for another award in the World Soccer Talk Best Podcast 2022 World Soccer Talk Awards. Uh, We are so excited. We were very pleasantly surprised. It was like a very nice, it was like a birthday gift, a little bit of a birthday surprise for us because we're also ringing in our first year birthday here at Attacking Third. It's it's hard to believe that uh, we've been doing this for a whole year. And so a really nice birthday gift is you all can go and vote for us. We'd really appreciate that. So uh, whether it's for the People's Choice Podcast Awards or for the World Soccer Talk Best Podcast Award as well, we really, really appreciate that. Lisa, how's it going? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Attacking Third. Um, I can't believe it. Our little podcast baby is one whole year old. We, we were just talking about it the other day, how we were like designing the logo and picking the music and Whoa. doing all these things. And it's crazy that it's been an entire year. We started it covering the Olympics and now we're doing World Cup qualifiers and the NWSL has had a full year and season under their belts, and now another half one. Um, but I am good. I'm good. I got some bright pink on my nails. Um, personally, I bought my wedding dress yesterday. So, like, I, I am on a high in my personal life, and then I'm feeling it in the soccer world as well because we got U.S. playing tomorrow, Thursday night. We got NWSL this weekend, and then we got CONCACAF Championship on oh. Monday. It's like a whirlwind of events right now. Um, but- I love it. It's a uh, summer. Summer is, is turning out to be really, really nice. It's uh, with the soccer is being cranked out. I'm sure folks are keeping an eye on us and keeping an eye on the Euros and everything else that's happening uh, in this in this hour block of time. Uh, but we're going to focus on CONCACAF here. We've got semifinals 
to discuss. Yes, we're going to be previewing USA versus Costa Rica, but there's there's two semifinals that are taking place here. Group A, it's going to be U.S. and Costa Rica, and then Group B, it's going to be Canada and Jamaica. It's a it's an exciting time. Canada and Jamaica is going to be kicking off at 10 p.m. Eastern on Paramount Plus, and United States and Costa Rica will be kicking off at 7 p.m. Eastern on Paramount Plus. Lisa, it's here, the final four, so to speak. The final four, yeah. I mean, six teams coming into this, the qualifiers, there's so much on the line. And heading into the last match day, right, like Canada knew, um, the United States knew that they had clinched, and then it came down to Jamaica-Haiti, and now Jamaica getting through in in our group, in Group A, and Costa Rica getting through to the semifinal stage in Group B. There's a lot of emotions, right? There's so much precipice up until the, there's so much leading up to this precipice of the tournament where now these teams understand what has gone into this. Um, we've got to see a lot of good, different competition. I think everyone is still talking about Haiti despite losing to Jamaica in, in the final uh, round of group stages. I mean, that battle was insane between those two sides and Jamaica coming out the stronger side. That's huge to see. Now Jamaica has qualified for their second uh, World Cup in a row. Like just fantastic things happening on that side of the ball and, and that side of the the thing. And I'm I'm so happy about CONCACAF and like how this federation has grown. And there's still a chance um, that another team could get through. They'll go to the Intercontinental Tournament uh, this it's it continues. All of the CONCACAF continues, but now it's the semifinals. More is on the line. It's win or go home. All of these teams want to win this championship, and it all starts tomorrow on Thursday. Yeah, I'm absolutely hyped about it. Uh, let's maybe talk a little bit, just show a little bit of quick love to, to, to Canada and Jamaica as well before we maybe kind of segue into full you know, Costa Rica, full United States, because we want to give a, a, some, we want to take a little bit of time to actually talk about Costa Rica and talk about the United States as well. But Canada and Jamaica, I think, you know, going into this tournament, Lisa, there was a lot of talk about sort of the, the, the big teams to kind of keep an eye on in this match. And obviously there were for a lot of folks, it was the United States, you know, it was their tournament to lose. That's kind of the energy around that team. They're, they have a number, they have like eight CONCACAF titles under their belt uh, and they're back-to-back winners of this tournament alone. Uh, so they were coming in here as reigning 2019 champions and, and there's a lot of, of focus on them. But Canada also entering this tournament as Olympic gold medalists uh, have typically gone toe-to-toe with the United States as well. And then we've got Jamaica and Costa Rica. Uh, Costa Rica, you know, advancing into this, this semifinal uh, have been a team that have qualified for the World Cup for a number of cycles now. And we've got the Jamaican women's national team showing that it's not, you know, there's no sophomore slump here. They absolutely came to their, this qualifiers and, and punched their ticket to, you know, their second, now their second world cup. Uh, what are some other uh, fun stuff we can uh, hear about the, these teams? Um, yes, Sandra, I love fun facts. So we get to talk about CONCACAF and, and everything that's kind of happened. Mine is a bit about the tournament in a whole. Some of my yeah. facts I have, um, there have been 12 games so far throughout the group stages. Now, as we head into the semifinal and there has been zero hat tricks, not a single player has scored three goals in one match. And this could be the first time that that has happened since 2006. Uh, so that's like a pretty impressive. And I think that says a lot about the competition in CONCACAF and how it's yeah. developed and how defending has 
come down so much more into this and it's a lot harder for players to score goals than maybe it it was in the past and and that even goes to show that the average goals per game throughout this tournament is 2.83 and that's the lowest it has been since 2006 um but Again, it speaks to the growth of the game because the biggest margin of victory so far in this tournament has been 6-0 compared to previous tournament. In 2018, the biggest gap was 12-0. Canada beat Cuba in that match. And uh, now it's only 6-0, right? So I think that that's incredibly impressive um, defensively when you look at these CONCACAF sides and that it is so much harder to score goals in CONCACAF now. And it's not everyone that's saying, yes, this is the United States tournament to win. And why aren't they winning 10, nothing because it's hard. It's incredibly hard to score goals. And and this is the first time both of those things have happened since 2006. Holy cow. (laughs) I feel you on that hundred percent. And it's an important point that you bring up because honestly, why is it happening? It's, it's, because of the opposition that they're facing, don't like, nice. don't come here, don't come to attacking third and be disrespectful to the team, the eight nations in in this competition. There's a lot of there's energy still around this competition when folks are talking about or looking at the United States and they're saying, oh my god, they should be like obliterating these teams. And it's like, no, that's not the. This is mm-hmm. not Concacaf, you know, 1990s. This is not Concacaf. No. Really, Y2K vibes. Like, no, this is 2022. Concacaf is starting to turn a little bit, you know, and there are bits of challenges that have been presented um, to what's considered maybe the two, the, the big two heavyweights, right? United States yeah. and and Canada. And I think we started to see that in those final group stage a little bit. I mean, it took. The United States until the 89th minute to find their breakthrough against a desperate Mexico team. And, and we're looking at Canada going against Panama. It took them uh, an hour to sort of unlock what was being presented to them. So tough teams here uh, in, in the CONCACAF region for sure. Incredibly tough. And yeah, you mentioned like the Y2K, the 90s. Those goal differentials were like 21 nil in single oh. games. In 1991, it was 12 nil, multiple games across the board. Um, but there has been goal scores. And I, I want to give Bunny Shaw, the Jamaican player, um, a little shout out because she has passed Jody Brown for the all-time CONCACAF women's championship score for Jamaica. So she has six goals, Bunny Shaw. It was uh, huge to see that. Also a little bit of goal scoring quickness. Um, If we remember, Sophia Smith scored in the opening five minutes versus Jamaica, and that was the earliest goal of the tournament. But Jesse Fleming for Canada scored against Costa Rica in the fifth minute as well. And it was earlier than Sophia Smith. So Fleming beat out Sophia Smith by seconds, scoring the earliest goal of this tournament. And also Canada scoring the latest goal of this tournament um, against Trinidad and Tobago is the 91st minute. Um, and then coming down to that, we saw the United States score in the 98 or in the 89th minute. So it was like the U.S. is right on the bubble of scoring first and also scoring last in these tournaments. Um, But I want to talk about the VAR of it all and how that has come into play in this tournament because it's the first time that CONCACAF is seeing VAR and there have been five penalty kick goals so far. A number of attempts, uh, but five goals. And that's the most PK goals in one tournament since 1994. Sandra, do you think that's due to VAR? I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to just put it all on this sort of, you know, new yeah. taste of of in-game technology. I um, 
I think it has a little bit to do with it for, for sure. I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, 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 no. It's because of form or skill or lack of thereof. You know, I think it's, it's maybe a little bit of a, a mix of both in something, but I, I, I do think the AR has absolutely, you know, played its part. We'll just say it's played its part here in, in, in the tournament. I'm not going to say good, bad, or weird. Uh, you know, it's the first time in CONCACAF championship that it was uh, integrated and it's made its debut and, and, People have feelings about it, but it's been utilized with reason um, in this tournament. Completely. And when you look at the officials, um, yes, there's VAR and they can check that. But the initial call is always made by the center official. And they sometimes have different they have different vantage points um, and different referees will call things a little bit differently just based on how they see it and the intentions. Um, I know my dad was asking me about um the foul against uh, in an NWSL game and asking about how, how is that a foul? How is that a PK when I didn't see it? And I was like, well, it all comes down to the officials on the, on the field. And that plays over into this CONCACAF W championship. However, an official calls it on the field, then VAR has to go and overturn it, which is a lot harder to do or just continue to make another call. So I've actually liked VAR being involved in this. Um, I know they've talked a lot about on the broadcast yeah. not having that line, and Christina Uncle has is a proponent of not having that offside line being in there. Um, yeah, I agree because like the difference between like a shoelace being off and on is frustrating when yeah. when that happens. But um, overall, like I've liked the inclusion of VAR in this tournament because of player safety. Frankly, like that's something that I am always aware of and keen about that I want these players to be safe. And if there's a reckless foul, I, I want there to be yellow or red potentially because if a player could be injured due to that. Um, so yeah, lots of penalty kicks throughout this one, lots of penalty kicks scored yeah. throughout this tournament and perhaps more to come as these games elevate in intensity throughout the semifinal and final. Yeah, for sure. I think if like, if the question is posed a little bit more kind of, you know, vague or more broad, like if, if would we rather have, you know, BAR at all in this tournament or not? I think for me, like the answer is a very quick, like, yes, like I'd, I'd, I'd rather have this tournament with VAR than, than without. So um, it's it's been interesting to see its debut and uh, we'll see. Like this is where it's going to get, I think where it's going to get most dramatic, right? In these knockout rounds, the 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 level of intensity is going to just feel a bit different, I think, versus um, its utilization during the group stage. So we'll see how it, it looks, what it looks like, if it makes its appearance or if it's necessary uh, during this semifinal round. Let's talk about this semifinal matchup with Costa Rica and the United States. We're going to talk about the opposition first. We're going to be, uh, we're going to absolutely shine light a little bit first on Elasticas. Let's talk about them and how they have been performing throughout this CONCACAF championship and, and what they could present in the histories uh, between these two teams specifically. They've actually faced each other in a similar scenario, Lisa, last time they met was during an Olympic qualifying. So things that were restructured a bit going into 2022 and beyond for CONCACAF W. Uh, obviously this, this championship, this tournament has a little bit more uh, implications in terms of qualification. It's not just going to be the world cup. It's, it's been the, it's four teams clinching their spot, but there's the winner of the tournament also gets a direct spot to the Olympics and the second place 
uh, finisher, the loser of the final, essentially, and the third place winner of this tournament will compete at a later date for the other Olympic qualifying mm -hmm. spot. And there's also the spot for the Gold Cup coming up in 2024 as well. So there's a little bit different implications, I think, if you are a team that finds themselves competing in this CONCACAF W Championship semifinal. There has to be this whole, you want to focus on the on the game in front of you 100%. But there's some other things at stake, I think, which makes, uh, which which probably elevates, I think, perhaps the, the level of competition that we're going to see. Because in 2020, when there was an Olympic qualifying uh, tournament in groups uh, broken down into to four and four going uh, against each other, Costa Rica and the United States uh, closed out their, their group play, and it was a 6-0 scoreline between these two teams. And they had, I believe if memory serves me correct, there was already like a three-goal lead by the United States at halftime during that match against uh, against the, uh, Costa Rica. So just a little bit of a, of a different energy, I think, maybe looking at two years ago versus now, Lisa, because we're talking, we talked a little bit, you, you gave the, the facts about um, this tournament and some of the things that we've been seeing between these teams, obviously VAR, you know, something that we want to pay, pay attention to, but this, this matchup is going to look uh, a little bit different. You know, there were a certain amount of players that were part of that roster on the U S side of things going up against uh, Costa Rica that are going to be unavailable for this one. The, the Costa Rican women's national team obviously is a team that has shown us that they've been sort of growing and evolving themselves uh, throughout their time in, in CONCACAF. I, I feel like um, the captain of their team in, in, in Alvarez has had a really impressive showing yes. so Incredible. far. Yeah. This tournament um, plays her club soccer uh, with the Deportivo Saprissa, which is a huge club in, in Costa Rica, but uh, and has been captaining the team, has been rocking the armband for this team, right? I think I think folks who have maybe followed Costa Rica for a little bit are maybe used to seeing somebody like a Shirley Cruz wearing that, or even maybe something somebody like a Rocky Rodriguez. But it's been very cool um, to sort of see this team putting together the performances that they've been putting during this CONCACAF championship. It definitely is. And and I think that when you talk about a player like Alvarez or Alvarado, excuse me, um, that has stepped up in this tournament and wearing that armband, um, she's got a goal apiece in the Panama game and the Trinidad and Tobago match, uh, two games in which Costa Rica shut out their opponents. And I think that's pretty important and crucial to talk about um, because they have. So seven goals scored for Costa Rica across two matches, well, across three matches, but they were shut out by Canada in their last match and four goal scorers and Alvarado getting a goal in, in each of those games. And then Granados having a brace uh, versus Trinidad and Tobago, otherwise just singular players scoring goals. Um, but in terms of, of Costa Rica and what, they're doing throughout this tournament. I think um, something that they need to really focus on and, and what I've been impressed with, but also um, game management and things like that, because against Panama in the opening six minutes, uh, Costa Rica got on the board first and they started this game quick and strong. They followed it up in the 24th minute, getting another goal. It was implementing their game against Panama quickly and really bringing the game to them, um, scoring in a variety of ways off a set piece. They ended up getting a PK in that game uh, to, in the second half of that match around the hour mark. And that 
it will round out the three goals against Panama. Then against Trinidad and Tobago, they open the first 15 minutes. They get a goal, and I think around the 14th minute of this match and end up getting in second one before halftime in the 44th minute. So in their first two matches of this quali- of the uh, group stages, Costa Rica scored. They were up 2-0 heading into halftime for both of those matches. Um I think that's really impressive to see against this Costa Rican side because not only are they starting these games quick and getting goals, but they're also following it up with another one. Now, on the on the other side of that, against Canada in this last group stage match, Canada scored in the first five minutes against Costa Rica. So I think there's something that's got to be said about game management and, and the opening 10, 15 minutes of a match, especially in these types of environments. Um, we've talked a little bit about how hot it is in Mexico. It's over 100 degrees at kickoff of these uh, 7 o'clock Eastern, so it's six local games. And that's incredibly hot. Now, for the later games, kicking off at 9 o'clock local, it's the sun has gone down. It's a little bit cooler, but um, it's so crucial how these teams start the game because as the 90 minutes goes on, there's only so much player rotation, and it comes down to minute management and game management, so much of it. So when we look at, at Costa Rica and, and now as they prepare to play against the United States, and you talked a little bit about the history between these two sides, this will be the 17th meeting, and the U.S. has won 16 of those. So there's a lot riding on this. Costa Rica is also looking to qualify for the Olympics, as is the United States. Um, but Costa Rica is coming off of that match against Canada, where they conceded in the first five minutes. And then they conceded another one around the 70 minute, 70th minute mark. I think that gives Costa Rica an advantage over the United States because they've scored in the first five minutes, in the first 15 minutes, and then they've also conceded. And most recently, they've conceded. So they can look back at that Canada match and say, how do we not concede in the first five minutes? Because this was the Olympic gold medalist, the reigning Olympic gold medalist in Canada. And now we're going up against the reigning world champions in the United States. And it's probably going to be a little bit tougher than that Canada match. So defensively, what do they need to do? And personally, I think that Costa Rica is, is going to sit back a little bit, have a little bit more uh, density in their back line. But if they get that opportunity to go, they are off. They're going to move in transition, and that's how they're going to get their advantage, hands down. I think, I think it's an important. I think it's an it's important that you're bringing up the the, the game management points for Costa Rica. You know, because I'm just you can't have, like you also we also bring up that stat right, the fact that. It's 16, you know, to 16 matches out of 17 matches that the United States have have come out on the winning side of, of these things. And I think it's important to for Costa Rica to sort of look back on those games as the one specifically that you're talking about. But there's also I do wonder, perhaps there's maybe a little bit of a blueprint here as well that Costa Rica can look at in this most recent matchup that the United States had against Mexico, where. I mean, we're talking about holding them through to 89 minutes of, of a scoreless game. Um, and this is an 89 minutes where they had a Lindsey Horan on the pitch, where they had Andy Sullivan on the pitch, they had Alex Morgan on the pitch. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just curious if this is something that they will try to piece, right, piggyback in terms of when they're looking at, when they're looking at, the footage or they're going over the tape from those games that they had during their group B group stage. And then looking at what the United States has been not presenting themselves as a unit, but what they've been facing 
in terms of the other oppositions, what the oppositions have been presenting to the United States, like how they can sort of maybe pick and choose and find a way to, you know, to, to better game plan for that. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not too sure. I think, I think if this game starts out and Costa Rica fails to do that, you know, with with managing the game and, and concedes within the opening, even 20 minutes, I'll say yeah. this game, not even, I was going to say like 10 to 15, but even if they open allow goal scoring in the opening 20 minutes of this game, I think that's going to be a tough day. Yes. Costa Rican side. And it's, it's unfortunate because it's, this is a team that I've been impressed with over their duration of performances within the CONCACAF qualifying process, because this is a team that we've been paying attention to Lisa for quite some time. It's like obviously outside of these tournaments, but specifically in this calendar year, this was a team that we saw, you know, run their group during the CONCACAF qualifiers to get to this point, right. To get to this championship point. They, they had a ton of games in, in February and in April uh, where they did not look like, you know, they were going to be skipping a beat. I liked the fact that they had set up uh, their preparation matches ahead of this tournament against Haiti. Um, and those were some difficult matches for them to come out on top of. We're talking a, a narrow victory to one against Haiti in their first friendly. And then, um, a loss against uh, Haiti in, in the second one. So it was just something for them to, it, I thought it was a good prep because it's like this, this is the type of, these were the type of, of teams that you're going to be facing. You're potentially going to actually see Haiti in this tournament. It didn't end up breaking down that way. Um, but a good opportunity, I think during those June friendlies to try to get another final look at, at some of the, you know, some of the energy that they might be facing in in this tournament but i we're talking about a completely we're we're talking about a completely different beast quite frankly when you are getting ready to go up against the united states yeah i mean how can you not it's it is a different beast frankly it, it is and costa rica they've they've seen this united states side a number of times before you talked about it the olympic qualifying world cup qualifying and there's a little bit more on the line and it's a different stake because the United States is, is winning their games, but they're also not like dominating them. We also saw Ashley Hatch have to go back to the States from Monterey, Mexico due to an injury, Costa Rica dealing with something incredibly similar. Uh, they had to make an injury replacement during this championship uh, goalkeeper, Priscilla Tapia, who had yet to seen action throughout this tournament. She suffered a hand injury. So she, had to return to Costa Rica or, or go back home. Um, and she was replaced by 17-year-old goalkeeper Genesis Perez. So there's also that mental side of it for, for Costa Rica. There, I mean, I think about that in terms of the U.S., but now Costa Rica has to deal with it as well. Like personnel shift up. If, if that was your roommate, now your roommate's gone, you're going to get a new roommate. Like there's just – it's different to bring someone else into a roster that hasn't been there. They don't – I mean – Perez doesn't know what this team has went through throughout the group stages. Um, now heading into the semifinal, but uh, you talked about if if Costa Rica can hold the United States scoreless in the first twenty minutes, the first twenty five minutes. I think if they go back and watch the United States versus Mexico game, I think that's a great telling because Mexico held the U.S. scoreless until the eighty ninth minute. But a lot of that came in the first half, the opportunity that Mitch Purse got, but 
Mexico defensively did an incredible job and, and Costa Rica can learn a lot from watching that match and even watching against Haiti and Jamaica, how they were able to stifle the United States attack um, and, and keep it down a little bit and, and see how the United States, where their weakest points are, where they like to attack. And you can learn a lot from watching those games, but I think specifically against that Mexico against the United States versus Mexico in that game, um, Costa Rica can learn a lot about defensively how it's got to be against the United States and it's got to be tough. It has got to be gritty. It's got to be all out. Um, But they know it's a different beast, but going from, I think going from Canada to the United States is good for Costa Rica because it's almost like this build up in progression and intensity of the opposition now as they head into the semifinal. Yep. Honestly, I think it's something that we're going to have to maybe when the game kicks off, we'll have to take note of and sort of have those prior performances a little bit in in the back of our minds just to sort of see like what how Costa Rica is going to try to present themselves uh, against the United States. I think we'll we'll know a lot, I think, in the opening uh, 15 minutes or so. But all love to Costa Rica. I hope they come out and make this a game. There are there's still like I said, there's still Olympics on the line. There's still gold cup spot on the line and uh you know they didn't get this far just to hopefully lie down so i'm i'm eager to see um how they line up uh, against the united states women's national team and we're gonna talk a little bit more about what we could see from the united states but first we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back to break all that down for you next finding the right cleat can be transformative believe me i've worn plenty during my career so getting the right balance is crucial The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bry Scurry is the goat. In case you're listening to this episode on one of your podcast services and not watching his video, we played the trailer for the new documentary, The Only, which officially premiered on the 12th. It is available on Paramount Plus. Now, if you get a chance, 
go and watch The Only. It's an incredible story and breaks everything down about the life on and off the pitch of United States Women's National Team goalkeeper Brian Scurry. Very, very dope. Always love watching that trailer, honestly. It is huge. It's out now. You can watch it on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, definitely watch this documentary, especially as you're simultaneously watching the CONCACAF W Championship and you're watching the Euros. It's a really cool story. Um, Brianna does a great job. Uh, Paramount Plus does a great job. CBS does a great job of telling this story in a very relatable way, in, in a way that people can learn from this Um Oh, it gives me the tail. The trailer gives me chills. The movie gave me chills. <laughs> Go watch the only on Paramount Plus. It's out now. Go watch it. If you're uh, joining us now, uh, just now after our break, joining us here for the second half of the episode, we want to welcome you into the show. Let you know that we're nominated for the best female hosted podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We'd really appreciate it if you showed us some support and head on over to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to the female hosted podcast category and vote for us. The whole process takes just about a minute. You can go ahead and find the link in the description episode if you need it, or you can use the QR code that we have in the video portion of this episode. We're also nominated for the World Soccer Talk Best Podcast. So you can head on over to worldsoccertalk.com and vote for Attacking Third there as well. We really do appreciate the support. As always, United States Women's National Team, Lisa, we got to chat about what we think we might see from them. What's the current uh, state of maybe some players? Uh, I, I think we just got to start perhaps you know, with, with the biggest ones, we, we had some, we talked a little bit about in the end of Costa Rica there, talking about Perez coming in and, and sort of integrating new players in. Ashley Hatch has been pulled from this tournament for the United States Women's National Team, has gone back home with the, uh, an injury to the back, a back strain, I believe it was. Sam Coffey has been brought in uh, to sort of close out this tournament to not quite a like-for-like player uh you know coming in and coming out there something to keep an eye on and um we saw rose lavelle take a pretty nasty crunchy challenge in that final group stage uh with a studs up collision on her ankle between her and ovaya so there's there's some there's some things here in terms of personnel uh that we have to maybe i think talk about first before we talk about what we could see or what we would like to see from this team. Yes, I think we have to talk about that and, and look at personnel. Um, I think that's maybe a good place to start, looking at the personnel that the United States has, um, who they're rotating in and who we'd like to see get the start. I, I want to start there. Um, starting with the back and the goalkeepers, we've seen Alyssa Nair get a full game, Casey Murphy get two full games, nothing from Aubrey Kingsbury at this point. I still don't think we'll see anything from Kingsbury heading into this semifinal match. Um, frankly, I've been really impressed with Casey Murphy. Um, I, I think Blacko could go with her again in this one. However, if he switches back to Alyssa Nair, I'm not really surprised at all in that point. Um, but between those two, like pretty much a toss up for me. I, I think Casey Murphy's done a good job though. So to continue to give her 90 minutes, the start, I think would be well worth it for Blacko and Nanofsky and his side. Um, 
and then the back line. I'm gonna I'm gonna lump all these five players together in, in my lineup here, and then I'll let you go, Sandra. Yeah. I want to see consistency in this back line. We I, I'm hoping that Emily Fox is back. She was out for the last match that the United States played against Mexico. She was on COVID protocol. I'm not entirely sure, as it's only been three days, if she's back from that yet. However, if she is, I I want her to get the start now. If she had COVID, like can she breathe? Can she play? Like, that's a big factor heading into this one. Like it, her fitness level coming back into it. We talked a little bit about the heat. It's probably going to be a hundred degrees. Um, that comes into everything, I think. But if Fox is available, I would like to see her in the left back position. If not, I want to see Huerta and, and Kelly O'Hara in those outside back roles. Um, and then in the center back position, I, I want to see Becky Sauron and Naomi Gurma. I think Gurma did a fantastic job. Um, I think that she is is the future of this team. And playing with Becky and leaning on Becky is incredibly important. It's no knock against Alana Cook. I just think that the ceiling for Gurma at this point is higher than Cook's, just based on where she is, how many caps she has under her belts compared to um, Alana Cook. And, and honestly, the partnership between Gurma and Sauerbrunn I really like, I really like that. And then, and maybe even like a cook and a Gurma, but I, I want Gurma to get the start in this back line. Yeah, I hear you. I, um, of course we're, we're starting with defense, right? That's, that's, that's our, that's our bread and butter. That's where we like to, to shine the light, the spotlight on first. Um, listen, uh, I'll fully expose us. We, we didn't think there was going to be a uh, rotation at the goalkeeper position going into that final no. group stage, Lisa. We were like, ah, there's no way that's going to happen. Be there. <laughs> and here comes, and here comes, you know, and Andonofsky and company. And they are like, actually, yes, there's going to be Casey Murphy. And that's, so I'm a little curious if, if we're going to see her get a, a consecutive start, right? Cause we saw her get that first start. Then they brought in Nair, Then they brought in Murphy again. Are they going to give a back-to-back start for for Murphy in the semifinal of this competition? I'm again, I'm still a little unclear, or a little unsure. Are you? Is the mentality uh, to, to perhaps allow a listener to play in a final? Should they go ahead in advance? Like, are they are they gonna? Is the idea potentially still they're going to meet Canada in this championship final, and we want to see a listener there and that one. Perhaps I don't know. We'll 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 see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, and I also wouldn't be opposed uh, to seeing Casey Murphy get the start in this one. Mm-hmm. If this ends up being um, a match where they want to to play things out that way, I'm I'm with you in terms of seeing the center back pairings. I I would like to see Cook and and Germa once more. Quite frankly, I um I re- I really enjoy what we've been seeing out of out of Naomi. Uh, Naomi Gurma this this tournament I, I think I think she's unlike maybe some other players in this competition but we're talking we've talked a lot about how this roster is is one that's been composed of, of mostly an expanded player pool we've seen younger players in positions that maybe we didn't anticipate seeing during this time of the year but I think Naomi Gurma more than some of these other players, more than Nina Smith, more than a, a Pew, more than um, you know some some other players in the mid in the midfield, more than more than anyone else has sort of come in and reintegrated themselves into this senior national team and has been asked a lot of. Uh, it's not an easy task to sort of 
get your number called up against ahead of a very important tournament, a World Cup qualifying tournament, and not only get your number called, but be asked to perform and delivered under like very intense circumstances. So the fact that she's already got minutes under her belt in this tournament and has sort of seemed in flawlessly is an absolute delight. It has been a joy to watch Girma grow throughout this tournament. You're not seeing nerves from a player like this hasn't was not intimidated by the bright lights of going up against Mexico in front of Mexican fans. Um, and I would, I would like to see her get the start in this one as well. Now who her center back partner is going to be not too sure if they're going to put in a, a sour, we're not too sure if they're going to put in a We'll see what happens, but I know for sure I would like to see, see Guillermo there. Um, and I think if you're going to be, Talking about knockout rounds, I'm just going to jump up into maybe the the, the front forward yes. here. I think you absolutely have to give a, a look or a nod to to Alex Morgan. Um, she went a long time in that Mexico game as well. I'm unsure like what that's going to look like in this uh, in this semifinal. Um, I think Rapino is someone who's been coming off of the bench for them and will continue. Continue to do so, um, but I'm with you as well too in terms of the outside back position. I don't I don't know if we're going to see. And Emily Fox, you know, is it's unclear in terms of what the protocol is. Is it, is it you know, due to testing? Or is it um, mm-hmm. false negative or false positive? You know, is it is it some asymptomatic showing symptoms? Um, I think three days might not be enough if it's the latter mm-hmm. of that. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But again, if, if she's out, I, I would not mind seeing somebody like Sofia Huerta perhaps get an opportunity to get into this match as well. Um, and sort of see what that looks like moving forward. And uh, I also, you know, I want to see this continued development between Huerta and Purse. I think when they have found themselves on the pitch at the same time together, there's been a very kind of special chemistry, very, it's very early, but you can see it brewing. So I wouldn't mind uh, seeing that those, but those are some players that I I definitely do want to see, hopefully fingers crossed in the starting 11, but I'm not, I'm not (laughs) the coaching staff, Lisa. I'm not, I'm not the coach. So, so we'll see. Well, one day, Sandra, you and I, assisting co-coaches, co-head coaches of the team, and, and we'll get to put a, our lineup out there. Um, I, I agree with Alex Morgan in the front line. I think she deserves the start. Um, I double, triple agree with Mitch Purse and how she's been playing with Sofia Huerta in behind her. So this is kind of where my brain is going. If Huerta starts, so if Fox is not available, my starting lineup would be O'Hara and Sofia Huerta in the back line. And if Sofia Huerta starts in the back line, I think Purse should be starting in front of her. So it's a little bit of a trickle effect. However, if it's Emily Fox, I think he's going to go with Kelly O'Hara in the back line as well. So, so then maybe no Purse in that front line. Um, and maybe they come on together or, uh, I mean, Sofia Huerta and Purse rotate on together and then they play in that vertical line. I think Alex Morgan deserves the start in that center striker nine. Um, I mean, especially because there's no one else. Ashley Hatch has gone home. We saw Taylor Korniak rotate into that position, um, which I think she can do and she has done and she will be successful in that center striker number nine role. If that's where they need her to play, she'll do it. I like Korniak a little bit better in the midfield. I think she um, has great foot skills and, and she can flick the ball on, but I think the ball at her feet and her combination play with Morgan in front of her is much more lethal than her playing in that number nine striker. 
as as it goes for the other two forwards in the front line, um, I really want to see Trinity Rodman get time. I don't think she'll get the start against Costa Rica. Um, again, I think it'll be Mitch Purse if Wertz is in the back line. Um, I think Sophia Smith has done a nice job, maybe even outplayed Mallory Pugh in, in what we've seen. But uh, I could see it being uh, Pugh and Smith and Alex Morgan in that front line. I, I like that, and I like what we're seeing there. But um, not entirely sure about the health of Fox, and that kind of is the trickle effect of how this is going to outplay throughout this game. But I want to see Trinity Rodman get minutes, come in perhaps 45-minute mark. I think it, it really depends how the first half goes. We saw that in the last mass for, match for the United States against Mexico. Vlachmaninovsky wanted his younger players to problem-solve, to figure it out as they were going on the field, not just pull them out, not just uh, rotate a Megan Rapino in at halftime to get things going and to spark what needs to happen on the pitch. He wanted his newer generation players to figure it out. They didn't, right? I mean, it took them a little bit longer to figure it out. And ultimately, as things started to open up, um, it came down to uh, veterans. I mean, Christy Mewis scoring the goal and the ball coming in from Rapino on the corner kick. So um, I don't know if we'll see rotation at the 45-minute mark. It just depends on how that first half goes. But I want to see Rodman get time. Now the midfield. Looking at this midfield, I have I have a question for you about this. Is Andy uh-huh. Sullivan going to start? We saw her... No. Start the last match against Mexico. No. Who no. will start in the number six? Probably Lindsay Horan. That's what they've been doing. They've been yeah. running Lindsay Horan out there endlessly. And uh, we haven't, we've seen the tape around her knee slowly disappear. But uh, I, I'm, again, I'm not too sure how, how she's feeling, um, you know, on, on that, on that knee, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just don't see it. I think, especially because that game against Mexico was, far more of a grind than they anticipated it to be. And because of it being such a grind, I do not, I do not think that they start Andy Sullivan in this one. Although again, this team has been dealing with some injuries and there hasn't been a hundred percent clarity on, on, on the state of those. And and we've talked about that on this show before. We just don't believe that we're actually going to get, a full diagnosis or a full, you know, report on, on what these injuries mean until this tournament is over, quite frankly, because that's that's typically how it goes in high stakes competitive events like this. There is no actual revelations of the severities of certain injuries until things uh, things are at their things are at their conclusion. So no um, Andy Sullivan in the start. What about well, Sam Coffey? Well, we see say, like, is, this, is this the game where we see Sam Coffey? Is that why you bring in a Sam Coffey in light of losing a center striker? I, I don't know. I, I again, I'm I'm baffled sometimes. I don't um, think Coffey's going to start. I, I don't. Just don't I know the, the 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 mentality. I think in bringing in a Coffey is that you're adding depth to this midfield that has clearly been navigating some struggles in terms of an injury or two or three (laughs) Um, and coming off of that game against Mexico, where again, it was a bit more of a grind than they anticipated. Uh, Andy Sullivan is one of those players that we refer to when we're talking about dealing with, with some injury Um, as well as Lindsay Hrennan. And we can only assume now a Rose Lavelle in that picture as well. So you're talking about three players who who would maybe in a knockout round game be your typical starters in a tournament like this, as they've been called up. 
but I'm not too sure what that looks like against yeah. Costa Rica or what the rotation it looks like. And honestly, quite frankly, if they if Sam Coffey gets minutes in this game, should we really be surprised no. at this point? Because no. of the rotation that we've seen from this coaching staff in this tournament, it would be a hell of a moment. It would be amazing. I mean, that's why you bring a player like that in. I don't think we're going to see it, though. I, I don't think Sam Coffey's going to start. Yeah. I, I, that would be... That would be crazy. It would be crazy to bring in a player that didn't initially make the roster and then give them a start in the semifinal of the CONCACAF W Championship. So for that reason only, Sam Coffey will not get the start. That would be Listen, I respect it. I'm keeping that 1% open. I'm keeping that window open 1% at least because I just, I just, I can't be like, there's, there's been a number of times there've been a number of scenarios now where we've come on this podcast and we're like, Hey, like we didn't think this was never going to happen. And here and when it happened, I mean, and part of the energy and, and thinking about bringing in a coffee was the fact that she was a player that had spent time with this team ahead of this tournament. Yes. So was already sort of played with trained with, been surrounded by, you know, immersed in a little bit in this program. But the other side of that is if you're not giving, you know, that that sort of type of energy to a player like Rodman, like what are we like what are we doing here? You know, exactly. so I, it's, exactly. You talking so, about bringing along some of these players who are still new to the team little by little by little. If they if they do get if Coffee is a player that is dressed for this game, maybe some minutes, but I don't imagine that it's going to be extended by by any means. So. so if if no Andy Sullivan, which I agree with that, I think I don't I don't know if we'll see Lindsey Horan start. Um, Christy Mewis will probably get the start in the six. Mewis is the answer, yeah. Based on injury and what we've seen, Christy Mewis when she has rotated in, it's been in that defensive midfielder role, that number six position. Um, uh, I I think we're going to see Andy Sullivan there. Honestly, I I don't know if we'll see. Lindsay Horan, I think it depends on injury at this point. I mean, ideally, I think the starting um, midfield, yeah, it probably is going to happen that Sam Coffey starts, Sandra. I, I, yeah, it probably is because we're talking about it. But in, in, in an ideal world, she'd message me. Yeah, it probably is. It's like hitting you now. You're like, you know what? The fact, that's, that, that's why. The fact that it seems so impossible and we're on a live means that it's probably and that's fine. That's why we're here to talk about it. I'm okay with eating my words. I just think it would be crazy to bring a player in and then I, start I, them in I a semifinal think. game. When, I mean, yes, it all comes down to injuries, but the ideal starting three would be, I think, Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, and Ashley Sanchez for this match based on um, their performances throughout this tournament so far. Now, injury comes into that. Rose Lavelle, at this point, we do not know her status of her ankle after that role. She could have rubber ankles and be fine, just tape it up a little bit tighter next match, go out there and play. Honestly, I think we could see that. So a Rose Lavelle, and I think Ashley Sanchez deserves a, a triple start. This will be the third game in a row for her. She started the last two for Vlako Andonofsky against Jamaica and against Mexico. And I think she did a tremendous job having her in there alongside Rose Lavelle plays to Ashley Sanchez's strengths more so than playing alongside um, a Lindsay Horan in that role with an Andy Sullivan. So I, I think that we'll see Lindsay Horan. I think we'll see Ashley Sanchez and Rose Lavelle, frankly, get the start in this one, depending on injury, right? Yeah. If they're able, if they're able to go, I think that's ideal. I think you want to have this type of, you know, attacking minded kind of midfield going up against, 
you know, a Costa Rican side that that might be, you know, preparing to sort of present you with this sort of mid to low block. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I like we're talking ideal, like ideally, if everything, you know, is comes out and plays out well, injuries aside, that that's the ideal, uh, you know, type of attack or type of midfield that we want to see aiding the attack in, in, in this game. But I just, they're still into the semifinal. A lot of unknowns, I think. But So uh, many unknowns. So many well, unknowns. Who knows? Maybe Christy Mewis. Like, right? If uh, Okay, so if, if she's, been, she's been subbing in as the six, why not give her the start? I I know. See what she can do from the get-go in this match. Um, so if, okay, so I'm still going to go Haran, Lavelle, and Sanchez in the midfield. Now, if Lavelle is out, if she's dealing with a bit of an, an ankle injury and you want her for the, the championship game, maybe she does get some rest. Um who do you think he should start in that position instead? Oh man. Um Taylor Corniak. I mean, we saw him bring in Taylor Corniak as a center striker. Like no. that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't, it's it's unpredictable. I will give it this. I will I'll say this. If not for nothing else, we are officially now as audiences of this tournament we are watching this in the knockout rounds and there is still we are still talking about unpredictable lineups and unpredictability within substitutions in this in this match you know it, it we're, we're already in the semifinal and it's not it's not been some it's not been something that we've been able to to iron out or say this is what it's going to look like moving forward. Yeah, I, mean, I would have thought that this would have been. I, I would have thought that this would have been something that was, you know, ironed out, settled out, going into this knockout round. But it's that not. has been the case. It that has been, been the case. And so. Uh, maybe we'll see Andy Sullivan actually start in there and then Lindsay Horan and Ashley Sanchez if Lavelle is injured. I think that rotates things around. We Chrissy Mewis also can play higher. So maybe it would be uh, Lindsay Horan. Lindsay Horan in the six, Ashley Sanchez, um, Christy Mewis playing a little bit higher, whether it's that 8-10 attacking midfielder role. And then she can always slot back for Lindsay Horan. They could rotate, right? If if they're if Taylor Corniak does rotate into that center midfield role, it could be either for Horan or Mewis. And then the other one, Mewis can just drop back. I don't think this play. is going to happen. I don't think this is going to happen. I don't believe it's going to happen. But you know who has actually sometimes played a little bit lower at times for her club is Mallory Pugh. But I don't believe that's going no. to happen. That's not going to happen. I, but anything, if anything, I think we would see um, a defender play a bit higher. Maybe he would slot it Gurma into that. Oh, no. Do you disrupt what she's been doing so far? No, I mean, no but what if you don't have any um, – well, they have options. They have Christy Mewis to slot in that role. Because I they have, they have more forwards, right? You could throw Trinity Rodman in that center number nine striker. You can and drop Taylor Corniak into the midfield. Um, you could throw Midge Purse in the back line if you needed to. Like there are there are options. There are options. I think there are options. I think at this point, I think if it's for me, and, and that's and Sandra, maybe got to give Chrissy Mewis a start. I I would want to see her in the six, but I I like Chrissy Chrissy Mewis is a player that I like higher. Quite frankly, and if if 
if Lavelle is unavailable for this match or if the mindset is preserve what Lavelle has to offer mm-hmm. for something like the final, Which why, I could- not, why not play Mewis higher and then put, you know, Sullivan and Haran back out there and see what they look like. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I I agree. Maybe we'll see Mewis get the start. I would be happy for that to see, even if she's in the six, because clearly they're seeing something in the six with Mewis there, and, and she's stepped in and, and played that six. Now it's different. It's a different role for her, and she's still adjusting to that. And, I mean, the fact that we're talking about this and saying there are options is also a little scary, that it's not solidified. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? Her. <laughs> Not though. That's the other thing about this. That's the other thing about this for me. It's actually not that scary because they're just that good. There's been yes. this is this is like real like first world USWNT problems. It's Complete like oh no problems. It's Complete. like there's so many. It's like there's so many options that we don't know the team what the team is going to look like, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're going to go out there and they're going to do what they have been doing this entire tournament. Yep. This entire tournament. You know, it doesn't, you know coffee will get the start. Mewis will get the start. We'll yeah. And we're going to keep, and we're going to come on here and, and there's a very, very likely possibility that we're going to come right back on this show and talk about how they won and are now going to the final. And none of that's going to matter anymore yep. <laughs> it's like it's just like it's just hilarious to me it's like we can like we're going back and forth and and, and people have a lot of feelings about it and they want to you know call for Adonofsky's head and and I get it that's that's part of that's part of talking about sports at its highest level right uh but they are in first place they've clinched their world cup they are going to go up against Costa Rica who they have a strong history against and they are likely going to put together a good performance, and it's not going to matter. We're just going to come back on here and be like, "So anyway, that was uh, that was fun talking about all that." And here they are going to the final. So it's it's going to be. It always matters. The conversation always matters <laughs> because we get to debate about it. People get to join us in the chat and tell us what they think. Who's going to be in there? I see people jumping in saying champagne problems. There yes. You go. We appreciate it, honestly. Crystal Dunn is so missed, but it it matters because we get to speculate on it and talk about it and then see how it plays out um, and evaluate the players and and their performances in those roles and what they were able to do, perhaps being thrown into a different situation than they were prepared for or used to. So then let's do this. Let's, let's close out this a little, a little, not different, but let's, let's close the, the chapter on this preview and let's at least put a scoreline on it then. Let's put a scoreline on it. What do you think the scoreline is going to be in this game? Mm, okay. U.S. is coming off of a 1-0 over Mexico. Um, I say 3. 3-0. Three 3-0? Nothing. Three nothing? Three nothing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go 4. I'll go 4. You think there'll be a hat trick? There is yet to be one. Oh, in the that's show. a good one. Yeah, you did you open the show with that. There'll be a hat trick. No, I think maybe there'll be a brace, but I don't know if there'll be a hat trick. Okay. I don't think there'll be a hat trick. I'm going to say 4-0. That's where I'm going to say. I'm going to say cozy uh, with that. Uh, We do want to close out the episode with a bit of breaking news. Uh, A couple of outlets have reported sources saying that uh, Monica Vergara has officially been fired by the United... Oh, my God. Yeah, technically, right? She's officially been fired by the Mexican Federation. Um 
they had a press conference today where they announced that the Mexican Federation has fired its sporting director and national team's director, uh, not fully utilizing the words Monica Vergara has been terminated, but sources uh, via Cesar Hernandez from ESPN ultimately saying that that is confirmed that she is no longer uh, with the Mexican women's national team. It's uh, maybe not a surprise considering uh, Mexico's unfortunate failure to qualify for a second consecutive uh, World Cup. Uh, and apparently uh, moving forward from this, uh, it sounds like the Mexican Federation uh, will be looking to go ahead and fill some certain positions. So Vergara has been dismissed along with uh, sporting director Gerardo Torrado and also the men's U20 team coach uh, Luis Perez. So tough times right now coming out uh, Mexican Federation, but we just wanted to keep everybody uh, informed on that. So we'll see, uh, Lisa, we're going to have to come back on this show and uh, and see what's going on with uh, the semifinal and how it shakes out with the United States women's national team against Costa Rica and see what if we were correct in the score lines and of course with the lineups as well. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to check back in, see what we're doing. Um, I won't be here for the recap. I am taking a day or two off, which I haven't done in a while. So I'm very excited to do this. Uh, yep. But don't worry, Sandra will be here. Everyone will still be um, here. I mean, Sandra, maybe I'll text you uh, and let you know what's ha- what's happening. On I'm going to need to share like your uh, reactions. Yes, I will. I Don't worry. I will have reactions. I will watch the game. I'm going to need for the live. I'm going to need to let the people know when I hop on here with this live, I'm going to need to let them know like, Hey, this is, this is Lisa's thoughts and, and what, uh, and what she thought of the game and, the, and who was correct on the, on the who score was correct on the scoreline, but don't worry. We uh, still will do a recap. Sandra will be here. It will be produced. Um, we got lovely producers on the CBS. Bess is going to join us. So everybody come through and, uh, Yes. Come through and hang out. Uh, thanks, everybody, for, for joining us today on Attacking Third. Nominate us for the Best Female Hosted Podcast. If you can, you can vote for Attacking Third at the podcastawards.com. You can also go ahead and vote for us for the World Soccer Talk Best Podcast. You can go over to worldsoccertalk.com and vote for us there. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Attacking Third. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your shows. Follow us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third. We're going to be back tomorrow evening with a full live recap. So tune in for Sandra Dada and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.